You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, like Rob said, fourth week of Advent. Uh, love, the ushy-gushy sermon, uh, as I've been calling it, which is funny because it's not ushy-gushy at all, really. Um, which might just be me deflecting somewhat, but who knows? Who knows? We'll we'll see where it takes us. Um, but yeah, we've been through this. We've been through the series of Advent thus far. Uh, this time of preparation and anticipation. We keep coming back with that same implication, slightly modified each week. Uh, in case you haven't caught on, that's what we've been doing. It's been intentional. We aren't just like forgetting to change the subtitles, as Al likes to call them. Um, but uh, this week we are on love, and we've, we've gone through uh, hope and peace and joy, and now we're to love. And so we're going to talk about what love looks like today. And, and really, Advent, <clears throat> Advent in so many ways exhibits a, a beautiful picture of God's love for us, um, just through sending His Son. You know, if you've been, if you've been around church for a while— Uh, or even been around church for not that long, you've probably heard something about God loving his people. It's kind of a reoccurring theme. Uh, It gets talked about quite a bit. Um, Of of these four weeks of Advent, love is the topic that probably gets covered the most within our churches. Just, it's kind of a big deal within Christianity. It's kind of a big deal for us. And this time of year, this, this time of year, the holiday season, um, love is pretty prevalent, or at least the thought, the concept of love, right? We, whether that be Hallmark movies that make me, you know, gag a little bit just because they're so, ugh. but you know, they're, they're really great. And if you love them, Jen, then it's fine. It's wonderful. They serve their purpose. Uh, or whether it be, you know, Christmas songs about love and happy feelings and everybody have a great new year, right? All of this stuff. I think of the, the, the one that keeps popping into my mind is this uh, John Lennon's war, Happy Christmas War is Over. I think that's John Lennon. Uh, I really don't like that song that much. I think it's kind of a, a, a lame Christmas song. It's on my Black Christmas Tears playlist for that reason. Um, I put all of my least favorite on there. It's kind of fun. But, uh, it, but it, this concept of love and good feelings and camaraderie is prevalent within our culture this time of year. If, you know, if, if a little bit screwy. Because love in culture has, uh, it looks a little awkward, right? It's, it's, not quite, it's not quite what we would picture. When we talk about love in culture, uh, Think of the Hallmark movies or Frozen, you know, or any Disney movie, right? The, the princess and the love at first sight. Uh, I think of Frozen. This is, the, this is the example that keeps popping into my mind because it's kind of amusing that they make fun of themselves within this. In, in Frozen, you've got Anna and the, the kind of screwball sleazebag prince. Uh, sorry if I'm spoiling that for anybody. Um, but if you're, the hair on the back of your neck weren't standing up the minute you saw him come on screen, I have a bridge to sell you. Um, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, so you got, you got Anna and the screwball prince, and, and the screwball prince and her have this like number of music 
musical number and they sing about finishing each other's sandwiches and other such funny things like that. And by the end of this 10 minutes that they've known each other, they meet at this ball and they know each other for probably 10 minutes and, and they're in love and they're going to get married, right? This is the classic princess prince story within Disney. And, and Anna's sister Elsa says, no, you're not in love. You, do, you barely know this guy. You can't do that. That's silly. I won't let you do it. Which then sets the entire rest of the movie in motion. So it was necessary for the plot, but kind of tongue-in-cheek, making fun of ourselves within this concept of what does love look like to us? <clears throat> what is this image of love that we have? It's this immediate lightning strike within culture, right? It's this passionate burning and infatuation, if you will. It's impulsive. It's idealistic. It's James Bond by the end of the movie getting the girl and they're in love and they save the world. And because of this, they're hopelessly entwined. And then by the next movie, he's moved on to the next one, which might be some commentary on how well that works out. So that's, that's one picture of love that we get from culture. The other one is, is that it's this acceptance and condoning of everything. That's the passionate romantic love, but just the, the, the just kind of brotherly love, right? We're supposed to just get along with everyone. And culture, we'll talk about this probably more in footnotes because I think it's, it's a better conversation to have with multiple voices as opposed to just me standing on a soapbox that's probably not going to support my eggnog weight. But... Um, this idea that culture, you have to accept or condone anything and everything if I'm going to love you. If I, if I love you, it means that we have to agree on everything, maybe. Or at least I can't disagree with you. Beard is attacking face again. Underneath the mask. All right, world is back in order. I cannot wait for COVID to be over. That's all I want for Christmas is to see my front teeth. Anyway, Jen thought that was funny. <laughs> anyway, so this, this idea that you have, to, you have to accept everything or con condone everything, we have to agree on everything. We can't disagree on anything. And if we do, if I disagree with you, then I'm not loving you. Or if I tell you that you're wrong, we might disagree, but I just have to be quiet. And if I tell you that, I'm, that you're wrong about something, that I think you're wrong, that would be the end of the world, and that's not loving. <sighs> like I said, we'll probably talk about that. Uh, that's a little screwy. But what is... Okay, so if that's love and culture, what, are, what is love supposed to look like? What is love supposed to look like? What does love in Christ look like? Now, this gets talked about a ton in church. We've probably, you probably, when I say what does love mean, you probably can come up with a couple of Bible verses off the top of your head that immediately, like, oh, yeah, love, that's the love verse, or, or that's what Jesus taught about love, or etc., etc., right? A lot of us have those verses memorized. We talk about this a lot. Probably because it's important. Now, when I say love and the love verse, maybe, there's probably one that comes to mind. And it's probably fresh on a lot of our minds because it's been our LTG reading. Uh, we, we talked about uh, this, this passage a couple weeks ago uh, 
for our LTGs, if you've been doing that, if you're not, shameless plug, you should be in an LTG. Uh, they're great. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? If you've been to a wedding or a couple weddings, you've probably heard this verse used. This one gets so commonly used. Chapter 13, verses 4, uh, four through 7. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth and he gives them this list of what, look, what love looks like. He says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Cue Pachelbel's canon. You may kiss the bride, exit through the back, right? <clears throat> this, this verse gives us such a good list, though. It's a beautiful picture of what love should be. This is, this is what our aim should be for. Love is not some lightning strike. Love is patient. Oh, man, it's like complete juxtaposition to what the culture tries to make it so often. And what we did here, we decided we'd throw together a list. Uh, I think Rob came up with this idea originally. <clears throat> and uh, we just kind of worked with this. On the left side of this, we've got a list of things that love is. And on the right side of this, we've got a list of things that love is not. Because Paul doesn't just tell us what love is. He also tells us what love is not. And so you've got between these two, you've got the things that he says love is, patient, kind, right? Things that love does not do, it does not envy, does not boast. Well, there's an opposite for each of these. And it's kind of interesting to look at these uh, and compare between the two and look at this. Patient, kind, generous, humble, modest, polite, self-sacrificing. And if I'm going to be loving, then I'm not going to be impatient or unkind. I'm not going to be jealous. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my arrogance in check. I'm not going to be selfish. Love doesn't enjoy pain or suffering. I'm not going to take pleasure in that. When we look at this, the things on the right-hand side of this these damage love, these hurt relationship, they get in the way. They break things down. They inhibit love from taking root. When you have these things in relationships, it stops you from growing closer together. It breaks relationship. And I think that love, I kind of like that it's the fourth one because all of these weeks, hope, peace, joy, they've all kind of stacked on each other a little bit. They're all very interconnected. They're all very interwoven. And we've talked a little bit about these. In hope, we talked about what steals that hope away, what stops me from having this hope, right? We talked about false or misplaced expectations, where we place our hope. Where are we placing our hope in something that's good or something that's bad? When we look at that list, 
I think that they correlate. When we look at peace, we talked about what relate or uh, we talked about what steals away our peace, right? We talked about these things that can steal away our peace, our anxiety, right? We talked about anxiety and the, this path, prayer and supplication and thanksgiving <clears throat> and how trauma often informs that. That's a big part of that conversation. And I see trauma as often being broken love. When you look at that, you look at that list of, of things that love is not, if you want to throw that back on the screen there, Mike, again, real quick for me. <clears throat> And we look at this and we say, if you've been in a relationship where somebody enjoys pain and suffering, let's go to the, the maximum, turn it up to 11, that's probably a traumatic relationship for you. And that probably steals away your peace. So broken love can steal away peace. And, and joy, comparison, the fear of not having enough or missing out, selfishness, jealousy, the fear of not having enough of comparing myself, right? This is, this is love. Very much so. To the point of love is almost the opposite of fear. Love and fear do not coexist. They don't get along. <clears throat> we see this in 1 John chapter 4, 16 and 18. It says, So we have come to know and believe, that, uh, believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because he is also as uh, he is so, also we are in this world. That phrase has given me fits all week. Who speaks like that, John? Anyway, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. <laughs> um, this perfected, this is the same word that Rob talked about. Was it last week or the week before? My, it was one of those weeks. Teleos. This, this, this Greek word teleos, this, this is the word for perfected. It's this continuation. It's this to grow further. It's uh, imagine the telescope extending out, right? It's going to zoom in. It's going to grow. Uh, this is what he's talking about. It's not this perfect love. It's perfect, has not been perfected in love. It's not, doesn't have perfect love. It's not a goal. It's the journey. That is so cliche. I'm going to lean into it. Just enjoy that cliche. It's about the journey. <clears throat> there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. This joy, the comparison, the fear of not having enough, right? The fear of not having enough, the opposite, the way to combat that, what I see here is love. And, and we are called to perfect that. 
We're called to grow in that, to grow in our ability to level up, if you will, in our love, which takes us to our implication this week. Advent is a time for preparation and anticipation in the darkest days of the year for the arrival of the light of the world. It is a time to perfect our love in Christ. It's a time to perfect our love in Christ. It's time to grow further in our ability to love through Christ. And what does that look like for us um, this season? During this Advent season, as we're, as we're reflecting on these concepts, as we're, we're dwelling in them, as we're sitting in these and we're, we're anticipating the coming of the Lord and we are remembering this and we are connecting with God over these things, what does that look like for us to perfect our love? In Christ. Well, the first thing that I want us to do in order to do that is I want us to abide in Christ. We have to abide in Him. That John passage starts off with that. It says, uh, Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. It's this they're sitting all together, they're dwelling together. I'm, this is God with us. Oh, funny, that worked out well. This is God with us. Emmanuel, God comes down to earth to abide with us, to be with us, to live with us. Like I said it in the, in the, in the call to worship. We were lighting the candles that this is that God would come down and live with us to teach us and ultimately sacrifice himself for us. This is God abiding with us. And we are called to abide in him also. This means taking him with me throughout the week. This means letting him permeate my entire life. And there are plenty of times, I don't know about you, uh, but I know there are plenty of times during the week where I come across uh, a conversation with somebody or Lord knows the political tweets will get me and, uh, or somebody saying something or somebody's doing something wrong and suddenly I'm not doing a great job of abiding in Christ I might not verbalize it, but in my mind, I'm, he's, he's not very present in that moment. And so the step this week is that we focus on bringing him along, creating space, not just maybe my quiet times in the morning. Maybe it starts there. Start with a little bit of time. But perfect that. Grow that, expand upon that. Bring him into everything that you do during the week. Make that the goal. The next step, in order to figure out how to abide, in my mind at least, this is how I logically get there, I need to evaluate. if I'm going to abide in love, to abide in God, then I need to evaluate how I'm doing within those relationships and how am I loving. And so I need to evaluate how well I'm loving God and how well I'm loving myself and how, how well I'm loving others. So imagine with me here, <clears throat> I'm sitting and having a conversation with God. We're, we're pals, we're amigos, and I'm evaluating how our friendship is going and you can do this through the lens of that 1 Corinthians passage. You can say, 
Am I being patient with God? Am I being kind to God? Am I envying him? I'm not sure how to boast, boast to, am I boasting to him maybe? I don't, I don't know how that one works. Am I being arrogant towards him? Or resentful or irritable? How am I doing? How am I loving God? What does that look like? And many of us, if you've, been, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard that loving God looks like loving his people. I know we say that a decent amount. Um, think of it. it uh, how, do you, how do you show love towards a parent? You treat their kid right. I learned that in, in youth ministry. If you love the kids, the parents are going to like you. They're going to be they're going to be your they're going to be your teammate. How are you doing at loving God? Which if loving God looks like loving others and loving yourself because you're one of his kids, how are you doing in those? I think of Matthew 22 where Jesus is asked, which is the greatest uh, commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Pretty standard answer for this question. They're going to agree with that. You got to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Then he follows it up. He says, this is the great and first commandment. And the second, second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I think maybe this is where we get our accepting and condoning everything. Maybe that's where culture gets this, is they've taken this and they've twisted it, maybe. Something we'll discuss, perhaps. Um, but in order to love others, I need to love myself. And in order to love myself, probably also need to be loving others. These two are very intertwined. Um, and I, I suspect that for most people, one or the other is easier to do. Uh, you, might be, you might be the type of person <clears throat> that really enjoys themselves and thinks that, you know, you're pretty great. I am preaching at myself here. Uh, I think I'm the best. I'm fantastic. And it's really easy for me to love myself. Uh, easy to go. And sometimes it might be a little hard for me to love others. Maybe because I love myself so much. Pride might be a thing. But, so I need, to, I need to look at that and I need to evaluate, all right, go through this Corinthians list. Go through this, these lists of how am I doing relating to myself? Am I being patient and kind with myself? Am I being boastful about myself? Or envious of myself? I don't know know how that works necessarily. It's not, it's not an exact science, but uh, you get the idea, right? Evaluate how well are you treating yourself? And then there, there are the type of people that probably, uh, they, they probably struggle to love themselves and that you need to evaluate that. But they're, they might think that they're pretty good at loving others. Like it's easier for me to care about loving others, to care about other people than to take care of myself, perhaps. That might be the case. Uh, and you might think that you're doing a great job of loving others. 
But if you, if you don't treat God's creation in yourself as he wants you to, if you don't love yourself in that manner, then I guarantee you, you're giving them a raw deal. They're getting gypped. They're not getting the best love from you. Because you shall love your neighbor as yourself. No differently. Which means you also have to love your neighbor. So you might be killing it on loving yourself. Well, now you need to evaluate, how am I doing in those relationships? Think about sitting down with your friends, with your neighbor, whoever that might be, and asking, am I being patient with them? Am I being kind with them? Go through that list. Am I bearing all things? Am I hoping for them? Am I enduring things for them? How am I doing at loving them? Evaluate these three aspects. This is not a small, like, I'm not asking for something small here. This is abiding in Christ, evaluating your entire, like, this is your entire life here. These are big steps. So our third, our third step here is to bring it down to a bite-size piece. The third, the third step is to pick one way to perfect your love this week. Just pick one. It's the, the idea of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. How do you perfect your love in Christ one step at a time? Say maybe, maybe this week, maybe this week leading into Christmas, I'm going to focus on being patient with people. Maybe that's, maybe that's where I struggle and I need to focus on that this week. I'm just picking the top of the list here. Start at the top, beginning. Step one, patience. All right. And I'm going to just focus on that. And I'm going I'm to I'm make that my goal this week to constantly be growing in how patient I can be with people. Or maybe it's kindness, whatever it is for you. Pick one step. Pick one idea and work on perfecting that this week. Work on growing in that. Doesn't have to, you don't have to do all of this at once. Just one step. That's what we get this week. That's what we get in Advent is we get this time to prepare and anticipate. We get this time this week to perfect our love in Christ. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.